This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, it's a special show number 200 with Nuggets TV analyst Scott Hastings. This team is different, Drew. I got to cover the 93-94 the team that, that beat Seattle, took Utah to seventh. The games when Melo came in, I, I did the Western Conference games with Chauncey. But this is a different team. You've got a core of guys that have now grown up together. Plus, Drew and Scott share some funny memories. Drew is recapping the Colorado Avalanche season. And where do the Rockies go from here after the loss of Herman Marquez? Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts. And tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome in, everybody. It is show number 200. How about that? That's amazing. And I was um, talking to my buddy Scott Hastings, who I used to do radio with and television with, and Scott's going to be my guest the next couple of weeks because we can uh, tell stories and, and, and bullshit all day long. And so uh, we ended up talking for a long time and uh, divvied it up into two shows. But I was saying to him before we uh, went on the air, so to speak, um, about the genesis of doing this podcast. And it goes back... Uh, to July of 2019 during a rain delay at Coors Field. Uh, an old friend, Julie Brownman, who I had worked with in the past, had come up to me and was talking to me about podcasts. And and I said, you know, I'd be interested in doing that. And, and uh, I think she kind of, you know, rolled her eyes at me because yeah, I'm busy and I say, oh, I'll do something and, you know, maybe that'll fall through the, the trap door. But I was really interested because uh, – I've always enjoyed doing talk radio to a point, and that point is when there were compelling things to talk about, I'm all in, but you are forced to talk about subjects you may not have a strong opinion on, and you have to fill up a certain amount of time. That's the essence of sports talk radio. And again, I've enjoyed my time doing sports talk radio through the years, but doing a podcast, you're unencumbered. You don't have to worry about a set amount of time. You don't have to worry about a certain topic. For instance, I don't have to talk about in February who I think the Broncos' backup left guard will be or who two months from now they may select in the sixth round and do it incessantly day after day, show after show, moment after moment. So um, the podcast, um, I thought the idea was was very interesting. And so that was kind of how it all began. I initially was doing it with Julie, and and then I uh, kind of went out on my own. Julie's still doing a show with Dave Logan, good friend. And um, so that that's the, the start of it. And now 200 episodes later, and I think 198 guests because – we would always have a guest, even when it was me and Julie doing it together. And I think there were only two shows we didn't have a guest. So to the 198 guests, and there are some repeats on there. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, spending some time. And most importantly, uh, thank you to all of the listeners that uh, have spent time with me uh, over the last four four years. Pretty amazing. Coming up on our, our four-year anniversary in a couple of months, but 200 shows in. And a big, big shout out again to um, my sponsors who've been with me from day one. Steel, they're awesome. Boyer's Coffee, uh, awesome as well. And uh, there have been several others uh, 
through the years naturally, and um, I thank all of them as well. So that's how we've arrived at uh, number 200. So to the business now of what is going on here in early May. Well, first of all, I'm going to start with the disappointing news, and and that's the um, elimination of the Avalanche in seven games to the Kraken, as you know. Big hockey fan. I, I've mentioned this before. You know, I had Zach on my one of my boys um, very recently, and we were breaking down uh, the Avalanche and the NHL playoffs, among other things. And and I, I think we all thought, even with the injuries, that the that the Avalanche could make a deep run um, in defending their cup. It's never easy to repeat. Heck, it's not easy to win one, right? But the injuries just got him. Too many injuries, and naturally, um, the mysterious situation with Val Nichuskin, who played the first two games, and we don't know what is going on in that particular situation. We know that he didn't play the final five games, and they missed him on the ice. I mean, he is um, he's one of their top players, and they were very thin against... The Kraken. The Kraken rolled four lines. The Avalanche did not. They looked like a one-line hockey club most of that series. I will say they played very well in Game 6. I thought they were the better team in Game 7, but we know hockey. Just merely being the better team does not guarantee you a victory because the the puck can uh, move in strange ways. And so the Avalanche got beat. And honestly, if you break down all seven games and 21 periods of hockey plus, you would say, guess what? The better team were the Seattle Kraken. And I think that uh, Coach Bednar said as much after, that they were the better team if you broke down all seven. Now, the Avalanche were really good, as I said, in game six. I thought they were the better team in game seven, but they did not get it done. And it's disappointing because it's so hard to get there in each year presents new problems and every team has injuries. The avalanche probably had more than their fair share. If there is such a, you know, we'd say that, but, but if there's any truth to that statement, it probably does apply this year with the avalanche Um, going forward. And you've read about this now, so this is not uh, earth shattering commentary, but going forward, What's to become of Gabe Landeskog? Is this going to be one of those injuries that that takes a player completely down, not just for a period of time, but is career ending? It certainly appears to be career threatening because he's been out for a year. And he said before the playoffs started, he didn't know of his availability for the start of next year. And next year is still months away. So what does that tell you? That's alarming. And now... The situation with Val Nichuskin, who the heck knows? Those are two, I need not tell you, those are two huge components. And as great as McKinnon is, as great as McCarr is, as great as Rantanen is, you can't go far with three players. And that's not to dismiss the exploits of of other players on that team. But um, disappointing, it was... um, it was difficult to watch that unfold. You just wish the Avalanche, not that they could have had everybody, but at least if they had 
you chew skin, and certainly if they had Landeskog, you would have liked their uh, chances of uh, of really making a run to repeat. Georgiev, by the way, I thought was was terrific really throughout the year, and um, commented on this in the past that it's amazing that the that the Avalanche it, it seems like year to year um, have a new goalie, and yet that goalie generally speaking, has performed very, very well. Um, and, and obviously their their former goalie beat him in uh, Grubauer with Seattle. So that was tough to watch. It, it was tough to, um, you know, kind of live through that. And I, I'm sure you all felt that, but uh, it'll be even more interesting to watch what comes of the avalanche in the offseason and uh, following the movements of their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, and uh, the mysterious situation involving Val Nechuskin. To baseball, the Rockies got, uh, well, you know, it's been a lot of bad news this year, obviously, from from the one loss standpoint, but I don't think that is a huge shock. The Rockies are in transition. The Rockies are um, slowly bringing up the next wave of players. We've talked incessantly about that, and there's been some good things, and there'll be more good things down the road. But the record, the record is what the record is. Um, but the bad news that came this week was uh, the fact that Herman uh, Marquez is going to have to have Tommy John surgery. This guy has been one of the real horses in baseball. He has been one of the most durable starting pitchers in the sport over the last half dozen years. And that that's a fact. That's not just me off the top of my uh, head saying it. If you look up, you know, number of starts since, you know, 2018, 2017, right at the top of the list um, is Herman Marquez. And now he's going to be gone for somewhere 12, 15 months. That's the recovery time uh, for... Folks who pitch and have to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, I'm sure he'll attack it like he uh, has uh, attacked his career um, from from a preparation standpoint. He'll do the same thing in rehab, but it'll be disappointing without him. And, and once again, the Rockies, who've always struggled to get pitching and quality pitching, now are beyond thin when it comes to starters. The best teams have great depth. The best teams have really good frontline players. That's what the Rockies clearly are trying to get back to. And the next set of pitchers, starting pitchers in particular, they're still probably a year to two years away at, at different stations of the minor league, and you never know how quickly guys arrive. For instance, you know, from an outfield standpoint, we've talked a lot about Zach Veen, and I'm excited about Zach Veen. But again, um, I fall back on that term process. Zach Veen right now is hitting, as of this taping, below 200 in Hartford in the Eastern League. That's double-A baseball. Will he figure a way out of it? Absolutely. Is it probably important in his development for him to struggle at some point in the minor leagues? Absolutely. And you hear that from um, farm directors and general managers all the time. You want guys to struggle at some point because it's a guarantee they will struggle in the big leagues and you want them to have a reservoir of having to deal with that at some point in time in their past so they can reach into that reservoir when it happens at the big league level. Uh, 
guys at the uh, major league level right now for the Rockies that um, are part of the future that are performing nicely, Ryan Feltner, uh, third straight, really good start against Milwaukee the other day, two runs over, I think it was five and a third. Um, he's given up only two runs over his last, two earned runs over his last three outings. And and you can clearly see he can be a big part of a rotation, a winning rotation. Kyle Freeland's been here for a long time. We know Kyle Freeland. You know what you're going to get typically start to start. Um, but right now, that's only two pieces. And again, they're building for the future. It's not so much about 2023. Yeah, you want to win as many games as possible. That's the nature of competition. But it's about the young guys and forming a nucleus that'll be able to contend uh, at some point in time over the next uh, couple of years. I, I like the growth of Tovar. We're going to talk about him a lot this year. He's being more assertive in the infield. He had an extraordinary game on Tuesday night in that opener against Milwaukee. First of all, he hit his first home run of the year. And I keep telling you, this guy's got a lot of pop. He hit a ball out to the deepest portion of the ballpark. That's extreme left center field. It went 447 feet. You can't do that if you're, you know, a punch and Judy type hitter who, you know, runs into a baseball once in a while. You don't run into a baseball and hit it 450 feet, even at altitude. The the power's in there. I don't know if it'll ever be Troy Tulowitzki power or Trevor Story power, but it's double-figure home run tap power. And he's more assertive, as I was saying, defensively. He made, I think, three terrific plays defensively, and you're starting to see more of those. I'm talking about Tuesday night, by the way. You're starting to see more of those on a regular basis. His confidence is growing. I've told you he's very composed ridiculously mature for 21. So uh, that's a guy, you know, that that's coming along. And um, again, we'll talk a lot about it as the season uh, progresses. All right. On to uh, the nuggets in front of Scott Hastings. I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to chatting with Scott. And I think you're going to enjoy our conversation conversation since we did it in two parts, but um, the nuggets, they're playing game three down in Phoenix, but they're up to love. And the beautiful thing about game two, if you happen to miss it, is that they're two complementary stars. Their main star, we know who that is, Nikola Jokic. They're two complementary pieces. Didn't perform well. Didn't shoot it well. Murray didn't shoot it well at all. He was 0 for 9 from three-point range. In fact, when he finally hit a shot, he kind of, you know, looked up to the rafters as if to say, finally— and Michael uh, Porter Jr., I think he shot seven times and hit two shots. I mean, if you ran those numbers out there, you would think, okay, the Nuggets did not win. But Jokic went for 39 and 16 boards and, you know, five or six assists, whatever it was. And they found a way, um, playing good defense, to beat Phoenix by 10. Great win. And now you hope it uh, it continues. But I'm excited about it. They're showing toughness also, Right. Talked about toughness being a key for the Nuggets in the postseason. I was wondering, do they have enough? But so far, we've seen this uh, this club show perseverance, and it took general toughness and mental toughness to win a game when no one 
uh, well, I don't want to say no one shot it well, but two of their big three didn't shoot it well at all. So uh, hats off to the Nuggets. Now on to an old friend, Scott Hastings. Scott and I go way back. I, I covered Scott. I was doing Nuggets games when he played for the Nuggets. And then he retired, and, and he was such a natural to get into broadcasting because he had a big personality. He's a funny guy, as you know, and he's been a, a mainstay in our town for, you know, forget his playing career, but uh, on the uh, in the uh, from the airwave standpoint, something like thirty years. And he's done Broncos, and you'll hear in our conversation that uh, I, I forgot some of the things that he and I have done together. Um, in addition to talk radio and Nuggets games. We have a whole lot of stories, and we get sidetracked quite a bit, but I think uh, you will find it entertaining. I hope you do. My buddy Scott Hastings, who's still going strong as he approaches his uh, 89th birthday. Sorry, dude, had to do that to you. All right, brother, you and I were just talking, and and congratulations, you're the guest. I mean, a lot of people were writing in, a lot of people wanted to be uh, guest number 200 on uh, on this show, but I I went back into the, um, I went deep into my uh, past career and past life, and I came up with my, I mean, we've been partners, what, like 11 different times in different, uh, on different shows, on the Nuggets, on different radio stations, so um, thanks for coming on, man. You know what? You, you you've had a lot of not a lot, but you've had some consistent long partners on on the on the TV broadcast of the Rockies. But but you and I you and I have done three game Nugget shows. You and I have called Nugget games. Uh, you and I, I think we did a tennis broadcast one time when I was the sideline. <laughs> I forgot about that. Come on now. I forgot uh, about that. Van Cortopova was in town. Yeah. Was that? Oh, Scotty, I forgot. That was one of the great stories. You know, like, you know, you and I have been fortunate. We've done a lot of, quote, unquote, you know, the bigger sport, you know, A-list, A-list sports. She comes in to play Monica Sellis at DU at Magnus Arena yep. in, a, in an exhibition. And it's a ha-ha, fun, fun, and you're watching two of the best players in the world. Anna Kornikova was beautiful, right? But oh, she, yeah. but she also was could not have been less friendly. I'm I'm not going to use words that that are going to get me in trouble. Do you remember that? Like Monica Sellers was wonderful and wonderful. I was supposed to do interviews because I'm down on the court and, and I'm supposed to do interviews after the third game and the fifth game or whatever. And and Monica, baby, babe. And, and Anna didn't want to do it. We finally do it, and it's and, you know it's just really like pulling teeth type thing. You know, somebody she wanted her money right away, she didn't get it. So I'm doing, I'm doing it radio show with with Dave, and that's also a time where we first started doing radio together. So all this stuff, and you know, tennis, we've done radio. Then we did our own radio show together. But that's where I came up with the name with Anna Cornaholia because. Uh, she was just, she was a witch, man. She was, she, maybe she just had a bad day. I do not know, but, but I'm with you. It was an exhibition. And, and I, you know what, honestly, now that we're talking about this, she might have been the rudest, and, and I'm doing air quotes, the rudest celebrity slash, or, or anyway, top two or three celebrity slash, you know, 
athlete stars, movie stars uh, that I've ever dealt with, ever. I, I mean, it's, I've been doing this now, you know, you and I have been getting around. This is my 40th, well, it's my 29th year of broadcasting, my 40th year covering uh, NBA stuff, even as a player, but I've never dealt with anybody as rude as that. Uh, you know what? It was hysterical, and you touched on it. Given the circumstances, it wasn't like the finals at the U.S. Open. This was an <laughs> exhibition, uh, uh, a shit and giggles kind of thing, right? And Monica Sellis was a dream. She couldn't have been nicer. That was her reputation. And Anna Kornikova's reputation was the exact opposite. There was another thing. The guy who, who put the whole event together went up to her between games and said, hey, Anna, can I get you anything? And she said, this was a quote, you can get the F out of my face because she was losing the match and, and Sellis was doing everything to try to keep it above board. And that, I forgot about that. You and I did tennis together. Yeah. Well, and remember... There was the two brothers that played on the men's side. Uh, was it the Brian twins or uh, or? Well, but it was one guy. Well, I've seen him on. He's done national broadcasts and stuff, and he was always funny. He was the humorous guy. They also played mixed doubles, and, and we'd had him in the radio studio. And he, you know, we we've done bad interviews. We've done interesting interviews. We've done interviews when we're laughing so much. You know. It, it was, We've had a lot of, we've spent a lot of times. You, this is your 200th interview or your 200th podcast even. Um, but this guy was great. I mean, he was funny. They played mixed doubles. So they had the exhibition of, you know, one on one. And then they played a mixed doubles with the two guys. And, and I've never talked to him after. And he goes, what a BIT, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's during the whole show, you know, and he's mic'd up and he's trying to get in the lab. Monica's playing and goofing. And, and he couldn't pull teeth on it. It was, it was, if that is celebrity, then that is the worst, worst. It's like I said, I'm going to give her, you know, I'm, I'm trying to change and turn a leaf there, here, Drew. I'm trying to become a better person. I'm trying to be more red. I'm trying to find myself closer to God. Um, so I forgive her. But boy, she had a rough day that day. Uh, that, that is fair. That is fair. But, um, we, um, we've done football games. We've done, we've done college basketball games. Um, man, we've done, we, you know, when you think about it, you know, we both gone through divorces. I mean, what the hell haven't we shared? I know, I know. It's been uh, it's 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 been a a wild ride. It was the it had to be the it was the Bryan brothers, Bob and and Mike Bryan. I don't remember they, they were wonderful guys, yeah, and funny guy. And the one guy, like I said, that has gone on. I think he's done stuff with uh, Fox National or, or even. I seem like I saw him on one of the major tournaments. You know, I don't know if Wimbledon yeah. or something. But it seemed like one year he was doing something with one of the major networks. No, you're right. He, he got into broadcasting, and he was he was straight up funny. I mean, he he was playing tennis. We had a mic on him. He's playing tennis and 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 commentating, and he he was awesome. But I forgot about that Anna Kornikova, who who never won anything, but but was celebrated because she was she's a beautiful you know. Was anyhow, I hope she's doing well. I hope she's doing well. Uh, yeah, uh, because that's we're we're really nice people at the end of the. Day. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? Seriously, 
I, I don't even know, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's how we relate and, and work with and talk with. And, and you know, I, I had an incident. I'm not even going to get on this podcast, but you and I talked today. And I had something happen to me yesterday. And I kind of reacted angrily, but I thought I was, you know, do you ever react angrily and you get done and you sit in your house and go, why, why did I do that? Why was I... Why did I get angry? Well, Scott, you've known me. You know me for thirty-five years, thirty-seven years. So you know that I have. I used to have a little more snappage than I do now. You, you used to have some snappage. Yes, you did. <laughs> People don't know the real truth. You, we go back so far that, and, and I had snappage too. So I think maybe that's why we've always been friends. Is because we kind of were competitors. We did. We weren't afraid to compete. And we, we didn't mind fighting for what we thought was the right thing, right? Uh, so yeah, I got yeah. angry yesterday, but I think for the right cause. But I was sitting there thinking the only thing that we leave behind is, is, you know, kind of our reputation. It doesn't matter. And I'm not – and I've gotten past my life and in my career where I don't, I don't worry about that stuff. But, man, we, we get involved and we get to talk and we get to share with so many wonderful people. I mean – yeah, I mean, I just brought up a story for you. I guarantee you there's thousands of other stories, you know, you and I, you and Julie, you and, you know, Dave, you and, you know, all the partners you've had on radio for the, for the Rockies. I bet there's a million stories. And it all had to ha- deal with how we interact with other people. Yeah, no, that's true. And you and I last night were chatting for a while. And every time you and I talk, uh, we talked about, I don't know, a few weeks back. And next thing you know, we've been on the phone for, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And um, we're going to forget. We're going to try to recount some stories here on this on this podcast. But there's going to be a ton that we're that I'm going to forget and and that one right off the right out of the gate, I forgot the tennis one because you got a better memory than I do. I want to take you back before we we're going to get into other stuff, and then we'll tell stories later. But I want to take you back. You and I, I don't know. This popped in my head, Scotty. Recently, don't ask me why. Do you? This is before all the five star hotels where teams stayed at, you know, and all the boutique hotels. So when the Nuggets, and I think other teams also, used to play in Oakland against Golden State, you stayed at the Hilton Airport Inn. Do you remember right. that? Right across, right of, kind of across the highway from where the arena was set up. Right. And because I, I still, I remember, you know, I'm a runner, so I remember runs everywhere. And I remember like, you know, there's some sketchy runs out there. Anyhow, do you remember that time, Scotty? Dan Issel's the head coach, Right. And um, Sherry, Sherry is Dan's wife is with him on this particular trip. And Mike Evans, me, you. Oh, who am I leaving out? I'm leaving somebody out. I think Todd Lichty was, was with us that night. Lichty was there and there's somebody else. Maybe Joe Wolf. I, you know, Joe was when. when oh, you know, it might, it might have been civil, too. Yeah, when there's drinking involved, Joe probably was in the neighborhood. Do you so? Do you remember the fire extinguisher in the room? I think it was Mike Evans' room. Uh, Walter was there too. Walter Davis. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the fire extinguisher in the room? And we're laughing and and crying and mattresses is put up. So I think Mike Evans was hiding behind a mattress. Somebody spraying a fire extinguisher. I mean, we were acting like <laughs> rock stars. 
Right. It's Scott, you remember the door across the hall opens. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's Dan toothless because remember you know he just he put in the pretend front teeth he was like a hockey player. Would be toothless in a t-shirt and boxer shorts. Exactly, and he had the shit-eating grin, and he's like, "Okay, I think it's time for bed." But there was a because Dan Dan had that in him too, the mischievous like he would he would have been involved a few years earlier, but now he's the head coach and general manager. And he had that mischievous grin, and he's like, "All right, I think it's time for bed." Oh, I yeah, absolutely. We were running up and down the hallways, um, and we because they they had a little. Then they the, the bar was just was you, didn't you have to go outside for a step or two? And then they had I mean, it was a big, giant, beautiful bar. Man, we yeah we yeah I I, I funny story. So I stopped drinking. I haven't drank uh, since. Oh, I don't know. Second round of the the AFC playoffs. No, I think I, actually, I think it was after that night at the Hilton Inn, uh, the Hilton Airport Inn. I think that's when you shut it down. Yeah, that's when I shut down thirty five <laughs> years. But you know what? I wish I would have. I probably have a few more breaks. I was talking about memories, but uh, no, nah, man, we used to do that. Remember, we used to, and I think we got you at that same hotel, or or Walter or somebody. Where we we took a trash can right and we leaned it up against the door. So in the morning when they woke up, no, you know who we, yeah, you know who we got. We got the, the late Lou Personette, our director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who was involved? Who else was with us that night? That night, I think at least the start of the night was Jim Gillen. That's right. That's right. Because, because I think he was the room we didn't we. He was the room where we put planters, planters in front of his door, man. Gosh, Drew, we we uh, we did some stupid, but it was also innocent. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was not nothing, nothing malicious. It it was funny, and um, but I just that that story popped into my head. You know okay. that same that same hotel, uh, and I don't know. I don't think it was that trip, but it seemed like we were there a lot. But anyway, uh, Shivel and I one year started carrying our baseball gloves around with us. And and we would find a place, and we would go out and have a game of catch, you know. You know, and it might have been uh, I don't even know when, but we were inspired by Bull Durham, you know. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, Dad, you want to catch? You know, and, and we would go out in the hotels, and for twenty or thirty minutes, you remember in Sacramento, in the hotel we stayed at, the Hyatt there across the street was the the big part near the big park. Yeah, yeah, we would go out there and play catch. But we're out in Oakland. We might have had two or three pops, and, and we're out there at night under these big street lights having catch. And finally, the security came out and said, "Hey, we got some guests that kind of complain the noise you guys are making, talking so loud, and the pop of the ball." So we got in trouble. I got in trouble in that hotel for that too. So uh, yeah, that man, we had some innocent fun. Too much drinking probably involved. Uh, uh, times, times, uh, on the, in the early days with the Nuggets. And you know what, Drew? That might have been the year they went on and, and was the first team that upset eight and one, right? That might have, might have been 94. It, it may have, it may have been that year because, um, I remember, you know, I did those games. I, I, after Al moved on, Al Albert, um, I did the Nuggets between 94 and 04. 
And I remember this. In my 10 years, the Nuggets made the playoffs the first year, so I think you may be right on that. And then the last year when Carmelo arrived. More with Drew and Scott Hastings right after this. Spring is in the air. Heck, it is already spring, which means you better be sprucing up that uh, front yard, backyard, side yard. And the best way to do it is the way I've done it for years. Go to steeldealers.com, S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. And they'll uh, provide you with a dealer right around the corner from you. And then check out all of their different products. You can order from home and you will have that product when you go to the steel dealership. And uh, next thing you know, you'll be cooking around your property and it'll look top shelf. They have so many different products to uh, help you out from trimmers to chainsaws to uh, hedge cutters to lawnmowers. You name it. They make the best in the business. It's that simple. Steel, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com or SteelDealers.com. And they are going to get your property right. Been telling you about Boyer's Coffee for four years now, and I've been drinking Boyer's Coffee for decades because it's the best. It is brewed here in the Rocky Mountains. They're a great community partner. They have so many different flavors. They have so many different products if you go to boyerscoffee.com, and it's very simple to get it delivered to your house. Just a couple of clicks. And uh, it'll be at your doorstep within 48 hours. That is how I get my coffee, my K-Cups. And I love it. It's great. And I have it morning and I have it evening as well at the ballpark. I've told you many times because Boyer's been a longtime sponsor of the Rockies as well. It's Boyer's Coffee. Check out their website. They've been brewing coffee since 1965 here in the Rocky Mountains. They're terrific. Boyer'sCoffee.com. Now, more Nuggets talk with Drew and Scott Hastings. Speaking of the Nuggets, last night, as we taped this, great performance. Uh, no one could shoot it other than, you know, the Joker would get it inside. He's just such a he's such an intelligent uh, player. You know, Durant had an, an off day. Booker did his thing. Um, but a different way of winning in Game 2 from game one. Was that your perspective on it, Scotty? Yeah. Um, that was a game. I was talking with Chris Dempsey in the post game. It was a game through that maybe in the history of the Nuggets in past games uh, that you and I have covered, that, that I've covered with a, a myriad of, of play by play guys, um, that they lose that the series goes back to Phoenix 1-1. You know what I'm saying? And maybe even maybe even two or three years ago. Uh that was that was there for the taking for Phoenix. You you're two big outside scoring shooter guys, Jamal Murray, you know, I think he finished the game 3 of 15, 0 of 9 from the three-point line, which if I had to, if we didn't talk this morning and you didn't see the game, tell about the game and I said, "Well, Murray went three for fifteen and zero for nine from the three. Michael uh, Porter Jr. Uh, was two for eight, zero for five from the three. You would go, dude, how bad they get beat? Uh, uh, Scott, a thousand percent, not a hundred percent, a thousand percent. You go, they got their ass kicked. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but then I say, hey, by the way, uh, but then I like to say, hey, Joe Grant, 
Joker had 39 last night, 60 boards, just the opposite. And that's kind of who this team is, is for the first time, like when Melo, when you and I are doing if Melo had a bad game, they were in trouble, right? If Melo had a, a Scott Hastings game or, a, you know, a three for 15 game, and I'm sure he did during those stretches, um, Nuggets didn't have anybody else. Well, here comes KCP. Uh, goes five of six, four from four from three. Bruce Brown is like a wrecking ball. Um, I want to get into it, talk about different players, maybe a little bit later. Christian Brown, he only has, I think, four points, but he's so impactful with his, in, with his energy that even Nikola Jokic just brings him up in the postgame thing. And they also do one other thing that's not been a staple in Denver, and yes, Durant had 24, but he took 23 shots to get him. Um, Booker had 35. He's the only guy that, that I mean, he was he was good, but then no one else did anything. Chris Paul goes out injured, but then they hold a team that averaged 122 points in the first round of the playoffs to 87. You and I have been around Nuggets basketball a long time. You were calling games, but you were calling games when I was playing. Right? There's, there's other stories. That was yeah. also in Oakland when, with, when I was taping, taping your legs to a chair and, and Gene, the, the, <laughs> crawling on the ground, beat me while I'm laying on the ground, tying your, tying your leg to the chair. Oh, I forgot about that one. I did forget about it. Remember, I'm going down there because I've done it before and I'm taping your leg to the stool you're sitting on. And, I, and, pe- and so people understand this. The reason they're going, why are you letting that happen? I'm talking on live television. Scott's out of the camera shot in full uniform under the chair. And the floor director who's in charge of keeping sanity around there has no idea what's going on. Why is this 6'11 basketball player taping the play-by-play guy's legs out of the camera shot? It was like, you know, there's a, there's a mini war fifth fight going on underneath my chair and I'm trying to say well tonight's game you know we've got this matchup <laughs> oh my gosh but and, but the funny thing is what even though I did that because that's kind of you know that was you know that was a friendship that you and I developed as a player in your podcasting I think the funny thing when I got traded to Denver I was about the same age as, as you and, and Jerry Schimble and all the guys and, and the trainer Jim Gillen yeah. And that's kind of how we, we all kind of just, you know, hang, hung out all the time. Um, but the stage manager, who we, she retired, I haven't seen her, I saw her two years ago, and she turned into a good friend, and we had a great relationship, and I worked with her as a broadcaster like you for, you know, every day, you know, you know for 27 years when we'd go back to, uh, to uh, Oakland, but um, she crawled down on the floor too, so she's under the camera. So there, there's not only like I'm trying to get you, she's trying to get the tape out of my hands, and, and nobody in the world who's watching this game has any idea of the scramble that's going right underneath the the, the TV camera angle. But now that, that that was another thing, but. But back to the point. By the way, Janice Baker, because Janice still is in our booth with the Rockies when we play in San Francisco against the Giants. Love her to death. Go ahead. She's fantastic. Uh, if I tell her hello. I will. Absolutely. 
And do you remember the bald sound guy in Oakland who was so great, classy? I think his name was his name might have been Scott also. Um, he did retire. Super, super nice. They had some good people there, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, this team brought in some defense, and Malone's been preaching this. And and listen, there's a long way to go. They've still got to beat uh, uh, two Hall of Famers at least twice. Warren Booker, who's an All Star, they got they still got to beat this team and, and get two more wins. The good thing is they got to get two more wins in the next what six games. So that that's good. Um, but this team is different, Drew. And, and I've, you know, I got to cover the, the 93-94 team that, that beat Seattle um, and took took Utah to seven. Uh, the uh, the games when Melo came in, I, I did the Western Conference games with Chauncey, uh, you know, lost to the Lakers and Kobe Bryant. And so, but this is a different team. This This is a... This is a different team. You've got a core of guys that have now grown up together. I mean, Murray and Junkers, I mean, they're old men now in this league, and they're 28 and 29 and 28 or 28 and 27, right? They still got two or three more years for a run they can put together. Um, but it, it, it was, I, it's a game they lose. For the past forty years, and they they hung on, they won, and not only won, they won kind of going away in the fourth quarter, outscore outscore and defend Phoenix in the fourth quarter, twenty seven fourteen. You had a Kevin Durant team to fourteen points. Come on now, period. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. yeah. You touched on these two guys, but if you're a Nugget fan, and and one of the things I said a few weeks ago on the podcast, and this is not revelatory. I mean, this is kind of Scotty. You played in a different era, and 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 obviously with one of the you know toughest teams of all time, and in, in in the Piston Bad Boys teams. But the league was different. I, I don't I don't always go back. Go always oh, better than, but it, it was far more physical. You couldn't cut through the lane without getting decapitated. But I still I know. Even though I don't particularly like how the game is played during the regular season right now, I know, and you certainly know, being an ex-player and and longtime broadcaster, that things were going to tighten up considerably when the chips are on the line in the postseason. And I and I threw out there, and I'm sure other people did also. Would the Nuggets be tough enough? And and it's we're going to still find this out. But so far, because of guys like. KCP and and Brown and you know the the young Brown out of out of uh, out of KU and and Jokic is a tough sob and you know what Michael Porter Jr. is showing me that he's got some toughness as well because that was my question going into the playoffs is that is that unfair. Uh, no, I, I, listen, that's always been the answer. And that's, that's always been, you know, my thing. And, and through the, the handful of general managers I've worked with and we've talked and, and I remember, uh, one year I actually sat down after getting knocked out of the playoffs with, uh, Mr. Kroenke and Josh Kroenke. And, and we talked about it. He goes, what do you think this team is lacking? And I, you know, I talked about it and I, and listen, you can be tough without being dirty. You know that. You can be mentally strong without being an a-hole. You can, you know, there's there's so many things that people think, oh, well, that, that guy's just this or that. And I go, 
you know, I, I thought I was a pretty tough dude. I, I'm probably one, you know, unless I don't want to get in a street fight, but I, did, I wasn't going to back down on anybody in court. Um, and, and that's what I learned from the Pistons. You had, I mean, you, it's a whole different level. So I, I, I garnered that as a player and I preached that now as a broadcaster. And you're absolutely right. KC3 brings a, a, you know, he won a championship with the Lakers. You understand how tough it is in the grind. I mean, go ask the Avalanche this year, which was a fabulous year, tough that they got beat. But but go ask them, how's the grind like repeating as champions? You know, and I, and, and you know, the injuries and everything. But it's, it is, the season is the longest season you'll ever be in, the season you're trying to, to A, win a championship, and B, defend a championship. Those are... Those are two of the toughest seasons you'll ever go through. Um, but this team had KCP's a tough dude. Bruce Brown, you would love him, Drew. I, if you ever get a chance in the playoffs, come, you know, come early as a media guy. They let us in earlier even before the crowds come in. And you'll walk down into the bowl where the guys always do their shooting before the game. And you'll hear, now think about this, it's not strange for the city of Denver. But I'm talking to inside an NBA arena. You're hearing country music blasting. And I'm going, well, Bruce Brown must be warming up. And sure enough, you know, they, they Bruce comes out, one of the first guys, and the arena blasts country music for 15 minutes. Is that right? For, for Bruce Brown. Tough kid, and yet the funniest dude you'll ever talk to. He is hilarious. Christian Brown is the 21-year-old rookie who has a mindset like a 28-year, seven-year vet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Still yep. got to do – still has to do um, fundamental things to improve on to be a better player, more consistent score, got to shoot better from the free throw line. He's too good to shoot 68%. You know, there's little things he'll add to his game. But, dude, I'm watching last night. He's in the game, and there's Joker, and there's Gordon, and there's – Actually, it was Joker, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, and KCP, and this rookie in 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 the second game of the second round of the playoffs. And something happened when they got he made a good pass. Bruce Brown got fouled. He's getting, just getting free throws, and he's pumping his fist and running up to guys. And I saw Joker's face when he saw him when he comes in there and he's going, oh, "Come on!" Oh, oh. And and Joker got it. It's just it, it, it's just a different team. You know, like I said, you still got more wins that you've got to put under your belt. But so far, I mean, it. you know, they don't win that game in the past 40 years or the past 30 years I've done them. And I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Joker, uh, you know, we always want to make comparisons when you have great players, you know. And now, well, I'll go back. The late Kobe Bryant was – ultimately, not initially, but ultimately compared to Michael. And, you know, LeBron, uh, I don't know if they're direct comparisons, but who's greater, you know, Michael or, or LeBron? And I'm, I'm not bringing this up to get in one of those, you know, talk show conversations. But I will say this, the one guy, at least from a passing standpoint, that I recall um, and we saw him at the very end of his career, and and I think you know where I'm going with this, Scotty, because I think you I think you played against him, and then I know you broadcast with me when he was playing, and that's Arvidas Sabonis, whose son is a tremendous player, obviously with Sacramento, but 
he he was a big man, you know, who played the European style. He could shoot from distance. He was a deft passer. And and that's what we see with, with Joker, is is it not? Yeah, and we got some bonus in the late years when when the skills were down, the weight had gone up a little bit. He wasn't he wasn't the same player that dominated in the European leagues and and really kind of had American NBA buzzing about him because they tried to get him over here. And this listen, when they tried to initially get him over here, uh, I believe the Cold War is still going on. Yep. And 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 so on and so forth. Um and it really wasn't towards the end of that that Russia freed up and let him let him come over and, and play. But he he's I went to Vladi Divok, uh, who at the time was Sacramento's general manager, and it's probably Joker's third year, second or third year, and and I'm telling everybody I think he's got a chance to be the best player the Nuggets have ever had. But I get to see him every day, and I get to talk to him on the buses. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm joking. We're in L.A. one time. We actually beat the Lakers in L.A. It's like a Friday or Saturday night. We're spending the night and heading out in the morning, uh, just so guys, whatever, get sleep or whatever. The only guy that made the bus to go back to the hotel, guess who it was? Nikola Jokic. Huh. And I'm thinking, well, that's different. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's a lot different. I mean, we're in L.A., right? Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's a different cat. Um, and I know you're, you know, not only called the games, but a huge fan of of the Nuggets and NBA. <laughs> Excuse me. He he's he's just dude. What you saw last night. I mean, he's just he's fantastic. I think he reads games, and what that's what the great players do. He can read a game and see what's needed. And, and unlike baseball, sometimes if they never hit the ball to you or, or you only get three at bats in a game, you're trying to make a true impact. Let's change this game. Your, your moments are limited, but he, I think he could see it was going to be a struggle for Murray. Uh, Porter wasn't, wasn't doing anything at the time either. And also Joker said, okay, okay, here we go. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, take it over. Phoenix comes out hot in the third quarter, for example. Uh, Denver is a catch up. They only lose the, the, the period 31-30. Joker has 18 of the 30 points. I mean, he just – he kept them in the game. Where once again, that's, that's where the game is going to get away from you. So instead of being down 10, you know, or going into the fourth quarter – you're down. You're down three. You're down three points because Joker kept you there. And then the start of the fourth quarter, well, and and continue on for the rest of the fourth quarter. You absolutely own Phoenix. Yeah, Scotty, I think that's a wonderful way you described it. He, the great ones, can read not only read what is necessary on a given night, but have the ability to fill in the blanks of what is is needed. And, you know, we've seen, God knows if I've seen it, you've seen it countless times where Joker will come out of eight points in the first half, but he'll have a dozen assists because he gets everyone involved and he realizes, oh, Murray's hot. Porter's hot. You know, uh, Brown comes off the bench. He needs a basketball, whatever it is. And he he finds those guys. Last night he realized, okay, we're not shooting the ball well from distance. 
you know what? I'm going to take high percentage shots. I'm going to keep us around, even if we're trading baskets for a little bit. And that's what he did. It was, um, you know, I don't like using the term brilliant. And I, I, I don't even like saying, oh, this guy has high sport, fill in the sport IQ. You know what? There's guys who have good feel. That's that's what I think. And, and he has the ability, as you said, to, you know, to do something, you know, with it. Um, I thought Durant, Scotty, paid him maybe the ultimate. Uh, you know this when you played. You were you were a great player at Arkansas and, and you played in the NBA for a long time. When one of your peers, especially a great one like Kevin Durant, who's one of the all timers. Oh, Hall of Famer. He's, yeah. This guy's he's in the Hall of Fame. Right. He right now. And when he comes out and says he was describing Joker, and he and he and he, and he just kind of stopped himself, and you know he was throwing compliments his way, and he goes, "He's just a great hall." He said, "Hall of Fame player. He's just a great basketball player." Well, well, I, I well, we were discussing this, you know, you know, and I had we were in uh, L- uh, London, uh, Nuggets played a game against the Pacers, and and Isaiah Thomas and I have a relationship and. So I'm talking to him before the game, and I said, "I said, watch this kid, because I think he's got a chance to be the the best player I've ever seen. He reminds me of Vladi, you know, a little bit." And my story back to Vladi when he was GM, I I, I told him I compared him. Vladi said, "When Joker's only in his second or third year, he goes, he's already better than me." So Vladi Vladi recognized that. Isaiah said, "I will." He came over and was in on the broadcast in the third quarters, and I said. Who does he remind you of? And he goes, uh, Vladi or whatever. Is he, you know, Sabonis. He goes, no. To be honest with you, he reminds me of Magic Johnson. I went, whoa. Well, just while you were out talking, we called a bunch of his games, and he would do this. He would try to get everybody involved, and if it wasn't going to happen, I mean, how many times do we see the Nuggets up on the Lakers by eight or nine at half, and all of a sudden third quarter comes, and here's Kobe Bryant. And all of a sudden, Plop, 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 plop. Take the game over. Nuggets yep. lose by Nuggets lose by 18. Um, he's got a little Kobe Bryant in him as far as being able to read what is needed. All right, you guys are going. I'm going to have 10 or 12 assists, 15 assists, whatever. Uh, you aren't. You, you can't do it. Okay, I'm going to drop 30 on you. I mean, I mean, just think about it, Drew. And, and listen, we saw Steph Curry with one of the great game sevens ever the other day with 50. The, the great ones elevate their games above their greatness. Yeah. Uh, and, and I tried to tell everybody that when, when we finally made back the playoffs and go, well, let's see if Joker can do anything and do the postseason. Uh, it was the first year they played San Antonio, beat them, and then beat Portland. Well, his game elevated. He, he was better in the regular season. I said, that's what great players do. Murray's been able to do that, but he hasn't been able to do it consistently. Joker, last year, girl, I'll tell you a funny thing I read in the, in the San Francisco Chronicle or one of the, the papers down there. Um, they beat him first two games, and all the papers, they've got a, a – Draymond Green is a great defender. He, he's showing that he can stop the Joker, and da-da-da. They're, they're dominating the series because they can get a control of Joker. And I'm holding the box stat. Box sheet, I'm going, he's averaging 28, 13, and 9. And it's in print. They're, they're really controlling. It, it, he's shooting 
58%. He's averaging 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 9 assists. And and you are considering that to be controlling him, which I found found amazing. Listen, he's amazing. We'll be hanging his rafter. It, it, you know, his number will be up there. It's going to be interesting because, see, I think Melo ought to be recognized and have his name up in the rafter too because you and I did a whole lot of bad years before Melo came. Yeah. Uh, but but as far as a retired number, no one ever, ever, ever gets to wear it again. That, that should belong to Nicole Jokic. He cracks me up, man. I know he cracks you guys up as well. And um, as I said earlier, we chit-chatted so much that we have to put it into two parts. So Hastings will be back next week as well as uh, we continue on the podcast. Hey, I mentioned Tommy John surgery for Herman earlier and, and you know how tough that is. And it's such a long process, especially for pitchers. How about Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper, now it's different for a position player, but it's the same process. He's just not pitching. He's he's back playing 160 days, a little over five months after undergoing Tommy John surgery. And he's DHing initially, but he's going to play the field, word has it, in less than a month. Maybe at first base, because Reese Hoskins went down with an ACL injury earlier in the season. That's amazing. That is truly amazing how quickly he's gotten back. And it's great for the game. Two-time MVP, charismatic guy, great player, good for baseball, and um, inspirational for all those folks that are going through uh, Tommy John, because it seems like uh, daily we hear about somebody uh, having to go through that process. All right. Once again, that'll do it. Appreciate all of your listenership through uh, 200 shows or thereabouts for uh, for some of you who are just checking in recently. But it's been fun and uh, look forward to, to uh, next week in show number 201. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe. Stay well. Stay well.